thanks for listening to the Voices of UMass Med, featuring the people, ideas, and advances of UMass Medical School. Liam Howard was diagnosed with leukemia when he was three years old. Now in remission, he too pressed his hands against the car. His mother Erin says she's grateful to the program. We've actually been able to, you know, basically survive for 18 months with us living back and forth in the hospital and the commuting back and forth. Liam still has two more years of chemotherapy before he can be declared cancer free. But his mother says it's time for their lives to go back to normal. He's back in kindergarten and back to full day school and we're just appreciating life right now. Lending a hand to kids with cancer, you're hearing right there from a very grateful mom of a little boy treated successfully at UMass after a cancer diagnosis. Her son's now back in school. She's sharing her family's story with local news as the Hyundai Hope on Wheels event came to UMass Medical School this fall, awarding a $300,000 research grant to Dr. Jason Showit. Today we're diving into the state of cancer care and the hopeful research that's underway. Dr. Showit joins us. He is chief of the Division of Pediatric Hematology and Oncology and holds an endowed chair in cancer research. Welcome, Dr. Showit. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. And our second guest is Luis Portillo, a 22-year-old from Worcester who is thankfully at the tail end of a very uh, long and rigorous treatment uh, for leukemia. Luis, we're so glad that you're here today as well. Thank you. I'm glad as well. So, Dr. Showit, let's begin with you. Chances are that most people listening now actually know a child who has battled cancer in some way. It's, it's more common, I think, than some people would suspect. Nearly 16,000 children every year are diagnosed, 45 every day just in the U.S. That number surprises a lot of people, I'm guessing. I think a lot of people don't realize that children actually get cancer and that it, it can be a very, aggressive, a very aggressive cancer that's hard to cure. And so the types of cancers that children get tend to be different than adults. Yes, we're used to adults talking about lung cancer or breast cancer, sometimes GI cancers. In pediatrics, it's more leukemia, lymphoma. They get some brain tumors and then also solid tumors that are, are particular to young children. Why the children get different cancers from adults, it's not very clear. It's definitely true that adults have um, because they've lived longer, they have more chance to develop cancer-causing mutations. Childhood cancer is not so much driven by the same kind of mutations, and uh, we don't really know why children get cancer in general. Um, sometimes there's a family history of cancer, but there's no direct link. Got it. And when we talk about pediatrics, we're talking all the way from newborns and infants up to what age? Absolutely. We treat... Uh, uh, children, uh, infants, newborn children, all the way through. The pediatric cutoff is typically age 18 or 19, but we'll see sometimes children or adults with pediatric-like cancers who are in their early 20s. And so, Luis, I want to talk to you about your experience. You were 19 when you were diagnosed, and so take us back to that time. What was the first sign you remember that something maybe needed uh, to be I out. was 19 and I was actually surprised that I would be treated for the rest of my treatment. I would receive the rest of my treatment in pediatrics. I remember feeling sh very sick, shortness of breath, the cold-like flu symptoms, and just not understanding why at 19 I was feeling all these symptoms. I was, I went about going to school, 
working, I was living on my own, and I just couldn't explain to myself why I had all these side effects, all these um, symptoms of, of feeling shortness, like I said, feeling shortness of breath, uh, looking really pale. Everyone around me, including my family, would tell me, you look really pale, but I really didn't pay attention. I think at 19, you're really stubborn. Right. You, you care less what's going on. You were on. tired, and you were probably right. just charging through your days. Exactly. That, that's what I thought. I didn't pay much you know, attention to it. But it wasn't until one time when I threw up uh, at work that I knew something was, you know, very serious. And so I reached out to my primary care doctor who did some blood work. And it was later that night when she informed that I go to the emergency department here at UMS. And so then what happened next? So they, I also thought once I got to the hospital, it wasn't going to be a big deal. I thought once I got there, it was just going to be some blood transfusion, some vitamins, and off I go. But... I was asked to stay in the emergency department overnight, and so I did. It was later that day when uh, my my family had come in, and uh, Dr. Usmani, who's uh, who still is my one of my pediatric oncologists, came in and you know informed us that Lewis has leukemia, which was very devastating. That must have been like a bolt of lightning. There was no, was there any family history or any sign that this could even be a possibility? Not one bit, not one red flag that we could have spotted. It was unexpected. It was, it was something that, you know, we just never thought would happen, but it did. So then, um, so that was three years ago, and Correct. you've been actively treated for this whole time. Like we said, you're nearing the end of your treatment. Um, what has that been like for you? What has it entailed? It's it's been the it's been the toughest thing I've ever done. Uh, it has taken a toll on my family and myself. It has I've had to find strength I never thought I had. And mm. uh, being 19, you often think just just want to go to school, you just want to work, you want to just conquer the world. But unfortunately, I had to take a step back and really take care of myself and yeah, just put put a hold on life which gave me a, a different perspective. But, you know, I lost my hair. I lost appetite. I would throw up almost all the time. I was depressed. I didn't want to do anything. I just just saw life going through me like nothing while I stayed at home, you know, having to be hospitalized on holidays, rain or shine. So that was really tough. That was really tough for, for my family and, again, for myself, just being 19, just seeing all my friends do things that you know, I can't do, it's really frustrating. Yeah. So our people who are listening right now obviously can't see you, but you look wonderful. You have yeah, your yeah. hair has come back. You yes. look, you've got your color back in your cheeks yeah. again. So what is the um, treatment that you continue to this day? So today is, it's less rigorous. Today I, I'm, in, I'm in remission. Congratulations. Thank you. So that is just because I'm, wrapping up treatment, I will be done in December. So I have two rounds of chemotherapy left. What I now take is home medications of pills, which have no side effects. And there are the medications of 6-mercactopurine and methotrexate as well. And I come to clinic outpatient once a, once a month. And I just get chemo, and for the most part, I'm doing fine. There's no side effects as before when I started, which, you know, the side effects would have been really aggressive um, but now I'm, I'm just taking in the, the medication and I'm doing fine. And how do you feel? I feel good aside from uh, needing a surgery to replace my hip because of the medication one of the medications I was taking and 
Dr. Chewett here can elaborate on that too, the effects that prednisone has, has affected uh, my bone, my right hip bone. So I'm going to need a hip replacement for that. So it has been, you know, another load I have to take in, but I'm hanging in there just fine. I want to get back to more of your story and what's coming ahead sure. for you in the future. But Dr. Showit, let's talk about that because this really drives home, I think, the importance of research, that even with the leukemias where there are good treatments that can get people like uh, Luis to, to reach a state of remission, those treatments are tough. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we've come a long way in pediatric oncology and particularly for leukemia where most, the majority of leukemia patients um, we expect to cure at the when we start start treatment, um, and as we've cured more and more of these children, we, we see that over time the effects of our chemotherapy build up, and, and we see um, some significant late late consequences of our therapy that uh, really requires us to go back to the laboratory and also back to the clinic and try to develop new approaches to leukemia where maybe we don't have to use as much, um, for instance, in, in Lewis's case, the, the steroids that caused um, osteonecrosis of his hip, um, maybe we can substitute in a new drug or a new approach to, uh, to avoid that, that toxicity. Mm -hmm. Is this something that you see commonly in children who are treated for cancers? Um, I think the, the bone, the effects of, of uh, the steroids on bone is something that we see um, in a percentage of kids. It's not, not every child is going to have that effect. Some children are going to have other problems with some of the other, other drugs that we use to treat. Um, we see effects on the heart, on the hearing, on the bone marrow. Um, so really, l many different organs in the body can be affected by our chemotherapy. And of course, when you're getting that treatment as a child or a teenager, you know, you hopefully go on to live with those, live a long life, but you do have effects that come down the road. Right. It's a little different when we're treating an 80, a 60 or 70 year old person um, for, for cancer. Um, hopefully we could get them into remission and they can, they're, they're expected to live maybe five or 10 more years. When I treat a three-year-old or a four-year-old with leukemia or even Luis at 19, hopefully they have 60, 70 years of life to go, uh, go forward. So the, the late effects, the survival, um, the consequences of uh, the late effects in survivors is something that we're, we're learning more and more about. Yeah, Louis, so it sounds as though um, your treatment was pretty debilitating at times. And you, as you said, you were 19, working, living on your own when the diagnosis came. So what are some of the things that you had to sort of put on hold? Absolutely. during that treatment, and what's coming up next for you? I had to put everything on hold. I have always been very ambitious. I have always wanted to head out and, and like I said, conquer the world. But that all, that all had to be put on hold. Uh, and it still is because of this uh, hip replacement surgery that I will need. But I was attending college. I was getting my criminal justice degree, um, thinking of being a police officer and going on to law school to be a prosecutor. So again, I was very involved. I was, I had a lot. Of, I had a long road ahead of myself. So it, it, this news of cancer was just, like you said, debilitating, devastating. Um, it really affected everything that I had in mind. But people come around and tell me it's just a bump in the road. Um, so that, that's uh, that's what keeps me going. I guess it's just a small bump in the road. I'll get back on it.
Lewis, you're you're um, a remarkable kid. I think it's a it's a, a lot of people would think what you overcame is a huge mountain, um, and uh, I mean I'm really glad you maintained your ambition. I think uh, one of the most heartwarming things that we do, aside a consequence of being a pediatric oncologist, is you get to see children kind of lose their dreams but then regain them, and and that's just awesome to see. So, good luck. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dr. Shuvit. I have to say, it is people like Dr. Shuvit, Dr. Grossman, Dr. Usmani, who, and the nurses of UMass Memorial, when I come in, who remind me that the battle's not over and that I got to keep going. They, they remind me that it's going to be okay. And because of these people, um, I, go, I come in, you know, feeling dreadful, frustrated, uncertain. When I leave, however, the, the mood is different. My mother and I would, would get home, have dinner, and recall the, the positivity that these physicians have. It, it, there, there's something about them that's unique. Um, you know that your care is in their trust. They, they want the best for you. And again, it's going to be okay. I know Dr. Shu, once I heard that he was doing a lot of research, I was um, very drawn to that because it is, research is the answer. And so we were glad that we were able to raise over $1,000 to in the last UMass Cancer Walk, on the last mm -hmm. Cancer Walk, which I know will benefit um, some of his studies here. Thank you for that. I'm sure that Absolutely. would mean the world to the caregivers who, who help take care, who are part of the care team. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lewis. Yes, sir. So let's talk about that research. We yeah. mentioned at the beginning of this conversation that you were recently the recipient of a Hyundai Hope on Wheels um, research grant. What, is, what, are you, uh, what are the questions you're trying to answer in the lab right now, Dr. Shelley? So, um, yeah, the, we're very grateful to, to um, receive an award from Hyundai Hope Foundation. And, uh, you know, pediatric cancer, while we've, we've made great strides, uh, especially for leukemia, there's still a lot of challenges ahead. Um, not everyone is cured. And for those children whose leukemia comes back, there's still a lot of work to do. Um, also, we work on neuroblastoma and Ewing sarcoma, some of the solid tumors in, in, uh, that affect pediatric patients. Um, and our, our laboratory is working on cancer stem cells and trying to target uh, cancer stem cells, which are sort of a, a small population of cells within the tumor that drives, drives the tumor to come back. Um, there's a, there's a wide range of cancer research going on at University of Massachusetts, and I think um, it's, it really, we really need more support for pediatric cancer research in general, not just at UMass, but across the country. And uh, we've been very, we're very happy to receive money from all of the foundations and, and donors who have helped us. It, because isn't it true, even with kids, that the way, the tools that physicians have to treat the cancer, really, those tools are changing all the time and improving. Absolutely. It's a very exciting time to be doing uh, uh, translational cancer research. We have um, new, there are new approaches now that are being developed that are remarkably effective. Uh, there are uh, immunotherapy approaches. Um, that have shown to be uh, very effective actually for relapse leukemia specifically. And also just the drug development um, pace and the pace of bringing discoveries from the laboratory to the clinic is uh, accelerating every day. We're very excited uh, to try to bring new therapies to the clinic. 
A lot of reasons to be hopeful, even in a pretty tough time. So, Luis, what's next for you? Yes, yeah, so after the hip, <laughs> <laughs> a new life. I have sat at home and wonder what will come next, but I, I can't wait for what is to come next. The next chapter in my life. I'm looking to get back into, to school, finish my degree, go on. I'm thinking about writing a book too. Really? I am, like Dr. Shewitt, kind of echoing what he says. This. When I came to UMass, I felt there wasn't a lot of resources for youth. And I think my book will offer resources for that gap of age. So we're talking 17 to 20-ish year olds who need some sort of guidance. Guidance I, unfortunately, didn't have. Mm -hmm. Small things like what to do when you start losing your hair. You know what I'm saying? There's things that I had to just figure it out on my own. But I think that this book will help out a lot of other individuals who are going through similar things and know that it's, it's going to be okay. Like I, so a, definitely a book. Maybe we can co-author. <laughs> Happy to help you write a book. Let's but. shake on it. I look forward to reading that book. Thank I you. think that would be a wonderful resource for so many people yes, out there. indeed. Thank you so much, Luis Portillo, 22 years old, from Worcester. Best of luck as you finish up your treatment. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. My pleasure. And Dr. Jason Showitt, thank you for your time as well. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. So pediatric cancer care and research, before we leave you, will be featured at the 2019 UMass Winter Ball. This is the premier annual fundraising event for UMass Medical School and UMass Memorial Medical Center. You can purchase tickets to that evening, become a sponsor, or learn more at umassmed.edu slash winterball. Thank you for listening. I'm Jennifer Berryman, Vice Chancellor for Communications at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Keep up to date with everything happening at UMass Medical School by following us on Facebook at UMass Med, on Twitter at UMass Medical, and on LinkedIn at University of Massachusetts Medical School.